everybody, and welcome to the Passionate DJ Podcast. I'm your host, David Michael, and with me is my co-host, the one and the only, Mr. Tony DeSero. Hey. What's up, buddy? What's going on, man? You're popping through for like a hot second while you can. Yes. <laughs> yes. And uh, you're uh, traveling along with a friend. How do you want me to introduce you to the podcast audience, um, name-wise? Marcus. Marcus. Mm-hmm. Our friend Marcus is hanging out with us today, and you guys are uh, stopping through on your way to where? Columbus. Columbus. Mm-hmm. So, what's going on? Well, let, first of all, let's let's introduce Marcus. Yeah, let's do that. You have a history of it as a DJ, and yes. you're a tractor scratch guy like me. So yes. we could talk tractor all day. Talk tractor. Talk DJing. Talk vinyl. Talk um, digital. Either way. Yeah. So, what's your kind of history with with DJing? Just uh, in a few minutes, tell us uh, how you got into it, what you are into now, and and so on. Well, my history with DJing was, um, gosh, I guess my first real idea of what a dj was is um was uh the movie juice um had tupac in it you know had uh right yep uh a few other really really good guys still today um and uh after that movie i think i i took um my dad's records uh like um anything from elvis to a uh, a hair album uh, which was a great musical back in the seventies. Um, I cut up a bunch of newspaper and round circles and would scratch as a slip mat nice. on my dad's like turntables. DIY. Yeah. <laughs> I just, uh, you know, I was like a 13, 12, 13 year old kid. And, um, <clears throat> by that time, uh, 12, 13, that was the early nineties. Um, my older sister was going to raves and, uh, I would beg and plead, beg and plead. Um, some of the first um, crews, Justice Crew, uh, Kimine Huggins, uh, Terry Rep, and uh, Howard, Albert, Howard, Howard, and oh Howard, of course. Yeah. I apologize, Howard. Um, those oh. guys were throwing the first raves here in Dayton. Um, I would. Those just, are all legendary names. Legendary now. names. They were um, before my time, but I I've heard all of those names for years. Yeah, those guys. Um, you know, some some are. Still around somewhere in often Pluto, crazy town. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, um, I would just beg and plead. And uh, Kimmy and actually grew up with my older sister, uh, grade school, everything. And uh, um, I would just uh, ask him every question I could when I see him around. How do you do this? How do you do that? He told me just go to the shows, watch the guys play. You know, um, and uh, by the time I was about 15, I had my own job, um, got my own turntables, um, just started uh, just in my bedroom for years. Um, then uh, I got my to, to my first show. It was uh, one of Howard spots, actually, on uh, Front Street. His uh, is this late 90s? We're this talking? is late 90s by now. This is like uh, 97, 98. OK. Um. Starting to be the late 90s, 90s, you know, 96, 97, probably. Um, Howard had a, a, a space with some other people um, on top of a, a warehouse really high up there. I remember stairs walking up and uh, I begged and pleaded for him and um, to let me on. And I brought my 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 records as hip hop at the time, old school hip hop. And uh, I think I got I had this fat man scoop track um that was like a really hyped up uh it takes two haven't heard that name in a while <laughs> and uh you know it's you know, fat man scooped i mean it's like hype man you know seriously like let's go let's party and i threw that track on first and i had raw bases uh it takes two for the next track to juggle it the light bulb went off huh yeah no well see that well, i was going to juggle both the, the the hook and i already already practiced but i I didn't realize that, um, you know, you got to check your mixer, you know, <laughs> I literally just dropped, dropped air. Like, like the biggest parachute just went and there was nothing and I'm trying to juggle and, uh, I got kicked off. Oh, ouch. Instantly. Instantly got kicked Damn, off. No mercy. I had people huh? jam into that fat man scoop. No mercy. I could have just let that roll easily yeah. if I had the knowledge. There's just... Don't even mess with it. Just let it roll. So did that set you back or did it? No, that just made me a better person, a better DJ, uh, a better, 
uh, a, a bigger will to be better. And that's you know, a great answer. And then there's comes in the jaded idea of these kids come going out to Best Buy, picking up an Apple computer, getting going to another shop, getting a program and putting two tracks together like that. There's you, there, there's something missing today than there was in the yesteryear of okay. really knowing your craft. Yeah. Okay. Let's pre digital. Let's put a pin in that because I want to. I want to come back to that. I when we're when we're talking about gigs though, I want you to tell them about the coolest gig that I think I've ever heard of and the coolest place you've ever played. For for me personally, yes. I was uh, the the coolest place I ever played was uh, I was on an aircraft carrier in the U.S. Navy. Yes, and I've what? actually played the the deck where the planes fly off twice. Wow, on the the carrier. Uh, during, uh, right before we went into the war, to the Iraqi war, uh, we were out to sea for about 45 days, and uh, the Navy gives you a beer day if you're straight sea 45 days, no no land, no nothing. We sat out sea out in Philippine Sea waiting to see if we're going to war or not. You know, we're going to war, we're not. We're going to war, we're going to not. <laughs> let's go kill some people. Let's let's not. You know, these so people need some music stat. <laughs> yeah. So so. Uh, for, for about 45 days. And then we went uh, right before we went into the Straits and went into the Gulf. Uh, we had a, 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 what they call a um, an iron picnic, a steel picnic. Okay. And uh, uh, one of my um, friends had, had gear, had more gear than I did. I had my turntables. I had my records, but I didn't have the sound. And another actual guy that was in my department had all of it and he did it all the time and not um, much room shop. to spare on a ship like that. no there's well we're on a carrier um, my particular job the whole ship was my my um my shop to okay. say like there wasn't anywhere in the ship that i didn't my for my particular job there's some guys that saw the same four walls for three years oh wow okay on that particular you know but for me i was somewhere everywhere and so we had a lot of spaces like i had i had my own studio okay basically That's on the ship. Cool. <laughs> so, but, um, that, you know, right before we went to the war, we got up on, uh, and I had at the time I was doing a lot of breaks a lot. And, uh, we did, we had a steel picnic up there and I got to DJ up there on the, on the carrier right before we went into the war. And then we went into the war and then back, we were on our way back home and then we were at our 90th day and they did a steel picnic again. And uh, we got to go up there for the second time, and uh, I got to play on an aircraft carrier. So that was yeah, I can't really compete with that. Pretty <laughs> intense. <laughs> yeah, that was very, very intense. So uh, were they feeling it, or were they distracted? Oh, or everybody what? was just like, just you know, letting loose. Nice. Really, I mean, th- we had beer on the ship. Um, uh, the um, you got two tickets, which those two tickets t- turn into somehow turned into four you knew another person turned into eight turned into 16 they're just whoever really wanted to get hammered could have got hammered and who and who didn't didn't and uh, i was just too busy getting gear up and wanting to play and playing um we've also played in the hangar bay um a few times um set up uh the actually the best night was uh thanksgiving hong kong we were pulling into hong kong and we probably had about 500, 600 people in the hangar bay just jamming out. Uh, we had uh, B-Boys. I was a breed boy at the time uh, also. We had uh, cardboard out, very large cardboard pieces. And we were all B-Boying. I was DJing, doing everything. And we would literally did have a party uh, the night before we pulled into Hong Kong that night. So you've never been all work and no play? Sounds like you've you've always managed to find time for. Oh, of course, yeah, your, I've, your uh, stuff. yeah. I'm I'm the type of person that I'll learn my job, but am I goofing off and having a good time doing it? Yes, I'm never <laughs> serious about anything. Yeah, I like that. Uh, so I want to I want to come back around to the the jaded thing, but real quick before I forget, uh, what's the story? What's going on with Columbus and where are you guys headed? Uh, and how uh, long do I have you before you have to leave? Because I know you're on a schedule. Um, roughly about another thirty five or forty minutes. Okay. Um, I'm just going to Marcus is taking me to Columbus because I'm going to Nashville and Charlotte for two festivals. 
Oh, so you're flying out of Columbus? No, no, we're on a tour bus. Oh, oh, wow, okay. Yeah, because we're going from Columbus to Nashville. We'll be in Nashville for the full week, and then we have the festival Friday, Saturday, um, and then most of the out for us will be Sunday, and then Monday's a drive day on the bus again, and we drive from Nashville to Charlotte and okay. do a festival, a build the whole week, and then festival Friday, Saturday. What what was the name of the festival again? <clears throat> um, Breakaway Music Festival. Oh, this is for Breakaway. Uh-huh. Okay. And so, what what kind of artists are we talking about that you're going to be working with? Um, for Nashville, um, we have Wiz Khalifa, Grizz, Elenium, Lil Pump, Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang, <laughs> uh, Russ, Blau, Griffin, Lil Skies, DJ Diesel, which Ooh, is Shaquille O'Neal. Shaq. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sheck West, Nightmare. Quincy 92, Justin Caruso, Mike Floss, Sean Frank. Um, and then somebody got added to the lineup and it was funny. This is a, a kind of a funny story. So um, Adam, the owner of our company, sends me an email and he says, you know, he's already in the email chain with somebody and he CC'd me in and he said, is this easy to facilitate? And, you know, it's just a DI box with a couple XLR cables, whatever. And I said, yeah, it's not an easy plug and play. So we definitely need to make sure this happens prior to the festival, you know, not just jump up for your set right. and, and do this. Um, and he, he sends me a text when I'm in the email and I, I responded, you know, what I just said with the people in the email. And then he sends, sends me a text and he says, this is Adrian such and such that you're in an email with. And I was like, are you kidding me right now? So it's the guy from Entourage, the main guy of Entourage, Adrian. Oh. <laughs> I can't think of his last name right now, okay. but I'm sitting there talking with him. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> Cody always it just was, runs into these people like it on was, accident. Yeah, it was, pretty, it was pretty cool because I watched the whole series of Entourage okay. and the movie, and I, was, I, was, I loved it, you know? And then here I am sitting in an email talking with this guy in the email. I'm like, <laughs> wow, crazy. Um that's but uh, I think it's it's his band. They're called Bailey, B-A-Y-L-I. They're playing. Uh, they okay. just got added to the lineup. Nice. And then, um, and then from there we go to Charlotte, which is um, careful on the tabletop there. Mike picks that up. Oh, sorry. It's okay. Um, the other lineup is in Charlotte, um, and that is kind of the same lineup. It's um, it's Wiz Khalifa, uh, Grizz. Nightmare, Lil Pump, and then we added Machine Gun Kelly. He's our headliner okay. for Friday night. And so uh, isn't uh, Mo Dingo catching up with you at some point? Yeah, he'll be in Charlotte. He's flying into Charlotte. In Charlotte, yeah. okay. He, yeah. yeah, he's somewhere right now, London, or uh, I don't know if he's there I think yet. he's in Texas. Te- oh, San Antonio. San Antonio, right? yeah. Okay. And then he's going to London. Then he's coming back here for a day, and then he's flying from here to Charlotte. You know, he had said all that, but I didn't realize that he was traveling around to do DJ stuff. I mean, I knew he was going to help you, mm-hmm. but he's like doing CrossFit. Well, yeah, I don't CrossFit know if he's, stuff. he's I think, DJing, he, I right? think the one in San Antonio, but I think the one in um, in London, I thought he said he was coaching oh, that, the yeah, okay. national team or something like okay. national CrossFit competition or something. He's coaching somebody. Yeah, I, I, he told me he's hitting the ground running with this yeah, retirement man. thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he should. He's got a lot going on. Man. Yeah. He's um he's becoming quite the entrepreneur. Yeah, he absolutely is. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, Marcus, let's talk about this. You, the first thing you said when you walked in the door, you said, <laughs> "I want to talk about being jaded." I didn't say I wanted to talk about <laughs> being jaded. I said, "Well, the word came up." The word came up. Yes, I didn't really expect uh, to be on uh, the show. Actually. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we we totally threw you under the bus, and I'm putting your words in your mouth here. So, you tell me what it is that's on your mind. You kind of hinted at the uh the kids buying the macbook and stuff but i know yes. you know that you're not you're not one of these djs that's just like you shun the technology and the whole no, thing because no, no, you're no, a tractor no, no. user no you've got i mean when you're paying modern 50, stuff. back in the day you're paying 15 bucks for maybe two songs on a on a yeah. record you may you got a dub side and maybe a vocal side you know and that's 15 bucks you can get what three four tracks you know um yeah. online Minus being just straight up free. And it's a little bit lighter in weight. <laughs> yeah, just a tad bit lighter in weight. I, I mean, I, I, you know, like that Hong Kong story I told you about. Um, I, I remember being in Australia, dragging my my records and uh, my mixer um, 
through Australia to, um, when I talked to a bar owner to let me play. You know, I mean, that's, that's a lot of weight. You know, I had like, you know, 50 records and, and a mixer. Required a lot of hustle. A lot yeah. One on one. One on one hustle. Um, I believe uh, one of your old podcasts uh, with uh, with Donnie, you know, these these uh, back then you got to uh, um, get to know the artist coming up. Now, he, I mean, you, these artists today are just like, boom, instant. There's there's no like um, gradual gains. It's just either you're a hit or you're not today, you know. You're nobody. Oh my God, you're somebody. There's no gradual like. You you don't see it in with inside the industry. If like you're a, inside the industry, you don't see the um, the gradualness of it. You, um, if you're outside the the industry and you um, meaning you're the, you're a fan, you're not mm-hmm. doing the shows. You're not promoting the shows. You're, you're not, a patron. You know, all of a sudden you just all of a sudden know about this person. Well. Today, the, the the people inside the industry all of a sudden know this person, and there's there's no you don't see these people just gradually you know climbing the ladder. Let me ask your perspective on that, Tony. Do mm-hmm. you agree with that? Being seeing what you see, kind of social sort media of from the inside. Yeah, social media does um, does help that out a lot. I mean, one song with a couple paid posts and it has a million plays the promoters are digging in to find out who that person is. And you can you argue know? whether or not the music or the mixing or whatever has anything to do with that sudden popularity. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can't confirm nor can I deny that some of them aren't even mixing. Right. You know, but it's, it's really, it, it seems like it's, it's the avatar you know what I'm saying? Right. It's, I mean, with or without the mouse head or with or without, you know, and I'm not saying like any of those guys don't have talent because they do, you know, but in, in, in today's, yeah, it's, it's about the avatar, you know, instant success. Um, it's not like that with everybody. We don't see everybody's hustle, you mm-hmm. know, cause everybody starts off. I, I don't think that your little Uzi Vert, you know, all of a sudden everybody knows about him because I've seen him from, oh man, like 12 Fest to our second year of Breakaway to um, headlining one of the nights at Number Fest. You know what I mean? And, but there is, yeah, with social media, it's a lot easier to get that instant success and not have to have any growth. Does that play into your thoughts? I mean, is it all about that? Like people get known for things. No, no, no. no. I'm not than... jealous of the fact that they're famous already. I'm, I'm, I'm more, I'm more of annoyed with the crowds okay. than the people on stage. Okay. If anything, being um, like they're not there for the right being reasons. Being a dancer myself, not not just a break dancer. I mean, a dancer, just you know loving to dance i i have always believed that it's 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 um as natural as breathing as a human to dance you put a baby uh, in front of a speaker playing whoa bitch the baby's going to dance to that beat. <laughs> right. it doesn't it, the baby doesn't you know care but what it is is that i just people are are too busy videotaping their experiences mm. um not experiencing it Watching um, what's happening right in and, front of and, them through a tiny window. Nobody's dancing either. There's, there's no everything's, um, <clears throat> there's no real like style dance of anything anymore today. Yeah. Especially at the big big festivals because they're so packed. There's no real room to dance. There's there's some dancing. There's there's what they call shuffling. Well, yeah, but that, that's the running man. I mean, you can't tell me <laughs> shuffling is not the damn running man. And Which, you know, which the running man was what was, before was that? the early 90s MC Hammer. Yeah, the Chinese typewriter. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you can't tell me shuffling's. I mean, you, I'm not saying run, it's new by any means, it, but there are kids dancing. Well, yeah, of course, of course, but 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 I don't think. But if you if like like people throw like old school raves up on the Facebook all the time, mm-hmm. okay, and like. You see the crowd dancing, period. Yeah, it's more vibey. The, the crowd is straight up dancing. I have. And I don't think the drugs are as good as today, today <laughs> as they were back then. I either. have. Um, 
And I didn't do the drugs back then. I swear. I mean, I mean I've been a so very sober person since I was 19 years old. I think a lot of a lot of the the festival stuff, all the the things that you see from front row to halfway back is more of a rage. They like to jump up and down, you know, yeah, they yeah, wait yeah, for yeah. the build, they yeah, jump yeah, up yeah. and down. And last week I was watching um one of my favorite acts that we had in Michigan. His name is Big Wild amazing and i took like i was side stage and i took a video and the whole front row like actually the first 10 rows had no idea what to do and this i zoomed in on this girl and this girl was just sitting here like this (laughs) just a frown on her face because you know what i mean and 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 if you look halfway back his music was really vibey you know it was like seven o'clock and it's really really good stuff but a lot of those kids didn't understand it. They were waiting for that that trap, hard drop, when can I jump up and down moment. You know what I mean? Yeah, so I see what right. you're saying because it's like even back then it was it was a vibe and everybody was grooving, you know, and, and now it's it's jump up and down. Well, like and, the guy and, from Swedish Mafia out. said it's 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 ten times easier to make a top ten record right now than it is to make an underground record. It it mean to make a really dope, dope underground yeah. record is way harder from just I you know just just the idea of it mm-hmm. than just making something like you know right so you you mentioned that you you started in hip hop DJ wise is that true yeah yeah I started hip hop DJ I mean and then you went it to was raves. very hard for me a kid in Dayton Ohio um to find the internet was was not what it was today right um I would have to drive either to Cincy or Columbus to find a record shop that actually had techno, you know, or had breaks that I liked that back then. Um, have you always been, uh, have you always leaned towards that underground sound once you started going to the raves and stuff oh, like that? Y'all definitely. Um, I just, uh, the, like, especially like the nightclubs here in town were really, really good back then. Uh, Asylum, Matt Freeman was uh, the resident DJ then back then. That dude, Former guest on the show. Yes, I mean he 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 can look at a crowd and just you know wipe it clean, you know just just kill him. Which um, he did at Oakenfold. Uh, oh, yes, the other sir, day. he did. Yes, and, sir, he did. I mean, he's just he's that kind of DJ. Um, and then you had the fourteen seventies, which is a whole, totally different crowd. But back you know late nineties, a lot of it was getting to be pretty hardcore mainstream raver hardcore raver kind of days so do you what i'm getting at here is do you feel like i guess how much does the the change of in the oh, music like, the pop, like today's music is how, how much does the change popular? in the sound affect your jadedness oh this i mean i don't i, I I'm trying to think of of, of, a, of a scenario. Are you, are you saying within rap or, or EDM? Uh, anything. I'm um, just uh, as it relates to DJing and in the scene. I guess. I think it, it well. It, it's very pop right now. Mm. It's very popular. The idea of you're talking like electronic. The floor on the floor. You know, reverse yeah. reverse hi hat. You know, popular music today. It's very ED, ED. Like I said, EDM. It's you know, if I hear someone say, yeah, I listen to EDM, well, I kind of roll my eyes. Like, mm. I listen to techno. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You are or, such an elitist. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like this, the, the, there, there, there's, there's a, a DJ out of uh, Michigan who, in, in Detroit, of all places, uh, decided to, to call me a, a techno elitist one day. And you I, can say his name because we talk about him all the time. No, he's a great no, I'm guy. Not talk, yeah. He's a nice guy. I, mean, I, I don't know. Call him out. No, I'm not I gonna, will no, if you I'm don't. Not, do not, do not, please. So, I just, uh, as you know, just the idea of the popularity of it compared to what the popularity side that's on the radio. Yeah. Something's great. Do you, you know, but at the same time, the stuff that's not on the radio the people like you know Green Velvet and yeah those guys. I mean, even he's on the radio. Back in the late eighties, early nineties, with the Percolator, he was on the radio. I mean, you couldn't turn on ninety two one back in 
the late nineties, you know, the song's already been out 10 years and here percolator. I had a, I had a conversation with Paul actually <clears throat> in the car and we were talking about the same thing. Like, and, and Sasha even said it in an interview uh, about a month ago and it's EDM. It is pop and there's good stuff out there. It's just nothing that we go to listen for. But it's opening the door for those kids when they get older. And that's something that I've seen with a lot of the the PSG kids. You know, the ones when I first started with PSG that were 18, 19, 20. They're now 25, 26. And now they're listening well, to Green Velvet and Claptone well, and know. Richie I mean, Houghton. These guys and, that who who just want to hear these, these, these huge buildups and breakdowns and just these direct bass drops and whatever there. But you go, you go find somebody like Eats Everything and actually stand there and listen you 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 won't start first of all you will start start dancing and then you'll start understanding the vibe and and uh, a dj actually taking you on a story rather than building you up and breaking you down building you up breaking you down and just telling it take like eats everything killed it last dirty year bird did a good job at, at doing that and bringing a good crossover mm. like john digweed you know um sasha i mean those people might want to say those are old school DJs, but those those DJs, you know, will take you on a story for five six hours without even trying. Do you think that, however you want to refer to it, dance music, EDM, the scene? Do you think it's gotten too big? Yeah, well, like I just, like I said earlier with my sister. Um, back in the day, going to the raves, and I would beg her and beg her and beg her to take me. Well, I when I was going to the raves, um, and I would beg her, she had stopped, you know. But I would beg her to come party with me, have come dance with me. And I was working the Nadine party, the second party. Um, Nadine was another uh, promoter here in Dayton at the time. Mirror Image, I believe, was his. Um, company mm-hmm. uh, with Jason and uh, some other people and um, I begged her one night to come to the show and her idea of a rave was completely different and this is this is the height of Dayton rave scene when I had her come now she went to the ones that was 97 you know she went to the ones four or five years prior to that and was part of that scene then it was getting steam and that was yeah, those were just like, 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 like illuminators. You, like you could go to the Dayton boys club and say, Hey, I want to throw a party tonight all night. Do you mind if I rent your place? They had no idea what, what they were saying yes to. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Kimmy and them, they threw a party at the Dayton gym club, uh, not gym club, Dayton boys and girls club. It's a completely different place. So Tony, you do, you joke around about the the elitist word, but mm-hmm. you really do wish that the scene was a little smaller and more refined. Is that fair to say? I, I see it. I see it getting smaller today. I see yeah. it. You, 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 2016, 2015. You're talking locally or, or worldwide? Globally back then, you know, four years ago, five years ago, it was ridiculous. You, you agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it feels like it's shrinking. I think it's... Uh... Or maybe just not on. I don't think it's shrinking. I just, I just think it's shifting a little bit. Um, Festivals are becoming less reliant on EDM names. Yeah, they're starting. Like rap is starting to get. Yeah, it's starting to to get its blow up again. Um, The people that were going for just the actual festival and and you know the fun and the festival. Yeah, they got older. They're slowing down. Um, Back to my point, though, I wanted to say is that when my sister went to that rave. Real quick, I just want to throw it yeah, out. Yeah, go ahead. Um, she was totally, she, she was like, this isn't what I knew. Mm-hmm. You know, this is totally different. She didn't like it. It was too big for her. It wasn't too big. It was too too obviously druggy. Oh, Back I see. then, when they were doing it, it was, I mean, they were doing things, um, but it wasn't so just like. Look at all my drugs. <laughs> yeah, look at me. Candy kids you know, and all that. The candy kids were, were being yeah. popular then. And but she was just like she couldn't believe you know they couldn't go to the bathroom without being offered drugs. Mm, Back so then, like everybody had their own shit and did it discreetly. 
you know, she, she might take a tab of acid that night and just dance all night. But too but sketchy. Saying, too... Hey, I'm on acid. Oh my god. Yeah. You know, like it wasn't. She she didn't like the scene. She didn't like my scene. You know, which yeah. almost almost hurt. You know, I loved it. Mm. I, I'm I'm what twenty plus years into it now. I haven't left it. I will never. I don't think I'll ever leave it. But I, I can still bitch about it. <laughs> you've you've earned it. You've done your time, right? <laughs> yeah. So I'm thinking back. So the the first time or two that we met was some of my first gigs. Night Owl. You, yeah, Night Owl. Uh, we didn't really know each other no. back then, but yeah, long hair back then. Uh, yeah, Very <laughs> sure hair. did. And uh, I actually, I was yeah, man. We're talking over 10 years ago, 12, 13 years ago. I got home from the Navy in 06, so it was right That's about right, yep. Mm -hmm. uh, thanks to our mutual friend, Mary Catherine. Mary Catherine, Susan. And, and Susan, yeah. They, they did the promotions then. Yeah. I had actually a fun story about Night Out DJing. Okay. Came home from the war, and I begged Susan to get, uh, who was throwing those shows back then? It was, uh, anyway. It was Matt and Matt. Matt and Matt. Both of them were Matt's. Mm -hmm. But anyway, it was like when it was a, lot of like a Tuesday night where everybody showed up in Dayton for a Tuesday night, you know, house and techno kind of thing. And I begged Susan to talk to those guys to let me play when I got home from the ship. And Susan said, do not um, mess with my name. Basically, don't make me look bad. Oh. I practiced that set. Over, <laughs> I mean, I knew those records. <laughs> like back and forth you know and th yeah. that was the second time i played in dayton basically you know from from getting kicked off the decks years prior years yeah. years prior to playing dayton again so when did you leave uh oh two okay so you came back to the severe lull in the scene that i came into there's like well, no, right. when i came this in there was after nothing the war, which is what oh four so the 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 that oh, was when Night Owl was really. So it was a little before, okay, yeah, before yeah. I was six. I was still, in, I, you know, I was still just two gotcha. years in the Navy. Um, okay, I came home after the war for thirty days. Um, so it hadn't fully crashed yet. No, 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 no. <laughs> but you know, those guys asked me to come back to play the next time. You know, and, then, and why? Because the between me getting kicked off the decks and me playing there, and having a very good friend of mine who, during the war had an email for me every day. You know, I didn't want to mess up, you know, ruin her name, you know, don't make her look bad. I didn't want to, you know, yeah. make her look bad. Hey, I got this guy. You have no idea who he is, but you should let him play. So and now you're not just worrying about your own name. You're worrying about somebody else's oh, name. Exactly. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, responsibility all of a sudden. There's a lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've never been so nervous in my life and to play that. And then the mats, I guess you could say, come up and ask me to play next the next week was really cool. Really so you got that validation validation. Yeah. Of cause it was, it was the second time I ever played in Dayton at that time from getting kicked off in 97 to what? 2002, 2004. I know we, we said like, like maybe we'll, if Marcus feels like talking, we'll let him talk. And then we just started <laughs> hurling questions at him for the past half an hour. <laughs> but at, at what point, uh, did you start to feel, let's say, disenchanted with the scene, whether that's locally or or globally? I'm not sure which happened first or what, but um, the saturation. Um, I was living at the Dayton Towers. It's like dubstep era. Um, I I knew that was going to be a fad. Okay. It took a little longer to die out than I expected. I hoped for. <laughs> um, but. I mean, it was some, there were some good tracks. There were some actual, like, DJs who DJed prior to the dubstep era that actually yeah. knew how to play, you know, a track to another track. And those guys were good. But the DJs who had no idea how to play a track to another track and played, that's what ticked me off. You don't think those people were always around? Mm -mm. Well, I mean, I knew the people. No, it's not I mean, an honest question. It's before you know, my time. I don't. I I don't think so because no. I think with that came the popularity of being a DJ, mm. and it was again like Marcus said at the beginning. It's it was it started to become easier to go out and get a controller. Well, the dubstep era and the, and the electronic uh, 
um, sync button era were hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, first off, you got to be able to have an idea of what track selection, you know, a good song. You have to you have to understand what a good song is, what isn't, and then you have to be able to convey those songs. But then you have to be able to read the crowd. You know, I mean, all the the computer today, like, um, I've I know I I went to go play a gig at Therapy Cafe one time, and it was completely dead. Yeah, a bunch of real estate people rolled in, and I you know I had my computer at the time. And so I just started playing swing music, you know? I mean, there's nobody else there. Just flip I mean, the switch. Why would I it. care to play, you know, house music Yeah. for a bunch of people who could care less to hear house music? I've, I've had, I had to do the power that. To, I have the power to either let them sit there and drink at the bar that I'm DJing at. Do which you is or do bar. them. Yeah. 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 Or just play towards them for a little while. Which that's a good quality to have. You know, just played a little swing music, some, you know, some... I've had to do that, and I've also had to, to not only turn a gig down, but stop doing a recurring gig that I was doing for that reason. Um, and I've talked about it on the show before, it's been a while, but we, you brought up Matt Freeman. He and I used to play at Solar, and we did yeah, like yeah, a Deep yeah, House yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. I mean, And their the clientele crowd... wanted Latin music, yeah. and they kept telling us that, and we're like, we just don't have that, we don't play that. And so we finally, it was like, we, we came to the owners, and we're like, look, we really want to do our own thing here and we don't want to like piss off all your customers. So. Right. And we just kind of mutually walked away from you have, it. You have to either, either, you know, you're in Rome or, you know, when, when in yeah. Rome. Yeah. Do you find that you mix differently now than you did before you were feeling this way? Yes. I purposely, trashed my controller whoever wants to answer that by the way i apologize yeah go ahead i trashed my controller really i don't like it i i it's still there okay it's it collects dust now but i purposely uh went to from uh tractor just tractor to tractor scratch only because there's certain things i miss i miss feeling the dots on my fingers Mm. when the the turntable's turning and you just barely need to slow a track down to to keep it locked in. That feel on the the dots, you yeah. know, you know what I'm saying. Yep. yep. You know, I miss uh, or um, you know, on the side of the platter. Yeah. Yep. And um, the fuck up. <laughs> you know, you can't. I mean, you can you can you can mess up on a on tractor just on a controller. Yes. Sure. But you you really have to try hard. So you felt it was changing your mixing to a point no, where well, it's a live experience. When you when I'm DJing to a crowd, it's a live experience. Mm-hmm. It's not somebody. Um, I'm not just put a CD in. I mean, people can do that, mm-hmm. but it's but a live experience. There's, um, it's my craft, and I'm giving it to you. It's no longer mine. It's the crowd's. So when it, anything, an artist puts out a, a painting, it's no longer the artist's painting. It's the person, it's the crowds, it's the person who, who takes that painting. So you take the, the artful approach of the, this oh, is yeah. how the listener interprets. Yeah, so like if, 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 if I'm not completely locked in, I don't care. I mean, I want to be locked in. Mm-hmm. I want to be from one track to the other, and I want it but to you be like on, that on count. Element. You know, and, and, and know those things, but um, yeah, sure, having four tracks going at the same time, making something completely different, that that's a skill. And, you know, like people like Richie Houghton, you know, like, or Dubfire, or, you know, a bunch of other people that, that do that kind of mixing today. Those guys are artists. That's their art. You know, I mean, Richie Houghton wants just this guy's hi-hat. He'll do it and he'll put it onto something else, you know, but that's not how I want to play. I, I, yeah. I, I picked the music that I want to play, the, the track, the record and play. And I don't like in the hour sets, the two hour sets. I don't like those either. So it's a long, like five, six plus well, or, or nothing for you. Yeah. I like the resident DJs, like the Matt Freeman's 
back yeah. in the asylum days. I mean, he started playing, you know, around 10 and went to, you know, four or five. I mean, those clubs back then went after hours. They turned the lights on, take all the, take all the glasses, all the beer bottles, turn the lights back off and you kept going. That's definitely something that's, that's hugely changed is, I mean, like a lot of these festival sets that you are, that you prepare for. I mean, some of them are 40 minutes and, and shit. It's yeah. like, how many tracks how you can you get even, in, how, how many drops you can get in in 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Like at a I certain mean, uh, point, and, and the crowd's expecting to hear certain tracks and certain hits and, and things like that and their favorites, and so you cram it all together. And I mean, it's, it's well, when you have your headliners, your headliners are different. Your headliners will play your hour, hour and a half. Um, actually, not even an hour and a half, hour and 15 at the festivals. Um, yeah, the rest of the guys. The rest of us feel like we're getting just getting started yeah. at an hour and 15. Which is a frustrating thing, and it's hard to. You I mean you? But they also have their their music is is vastly different than ours, though. Sure. Um, you know, it's it's a verse, chorus, and out. It's like DJ AM. You know, it was a verse, chorus, and during that chorus, he's already mixing that first thirty-two of the next song in and and out. It's party rocking. You know, it's yeah. It, and we yeah, have to but think you about can't do that all. I mean, not, the whole day. You know, there has to be a, you know, recline. Well, that's to that's that. why there's. 15 artists on the bill so each one of them can do it <laughs> <laughs> you know like i i, I, I say that lightweight joking but you know but, but i prefer you know if i'm going to go party i, I you know i just want to jam some top, top 40 stuff at the beginning of the night that's one you thing know? that or, like it's it's really kept me into not that I do it all the time, but into the idea of the house party or the small gathering, mm-hmm. like this to get together with the homies, because you can do that, or you can do the six hours tag sets, or you, or however you you end up doing yeah. it, and you can all actually get into it and feel like you're participating in this little musical whatever ecosystem thing that's happening. That you just it's a different experience than you can get from this shift into festival culture and like right. that's how people consume live music now but club culture back you know in the day was that feeling was that feeling of of this vibe of of like yeah of of slowly coming up to like the real party hardy hardcore let's you know 12 1 2 o'clock in the morning just going hard having fun and then it came back down you know and i mean i remember djing in the, in the top 40 clubs back then too it was, you know, you, you played your more R&B-ish stuff, and then at 12-1, you play your popular stuff. But in between those, like, roughly, if if, if I start music at 9, by 11.50 or 12 o'clock, I would play, like, two or three slow jams. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, and, just and bring and it down and slow just jam. pop it, you know? Yeah, and then come back in right after those slow jams and yeah, start building yeah. it. And you well, close I mean, them off at the end the of the night with some more slow jams so they don't leave the club pissed off and angry. They want to go bang. <laughs> well, and then you got those people that, that come to the club early and want to hear the, the the most popular badass song at the time. Yeah. Right now, I'm like, no. So what would what would like sort of rescue what what would make you feel better I guess like what change in the scene or what shift would you most like to see a, a, a smaller lineups longer sets mm, so a shift towards the back towards that yeah um maybe I mean, you can have six seven um uh, stages that's fine that's cool with six or seven artists right? <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know like. But, uh, you know, like a two hour set from, you know, I heard on, I was, I saw a thing on Facebook not too long ago. It's like, is like uh foreplay. Right. You know, you're not really getting into the good shit. Right. You know, <laughs> it's just two hours of foreplay and then they're like, oh yeah. But, but you know, an artist plays four five, six hours. Then you're getting into the meat, you know, like, right. Uh, John Chapel, you can, if you ever talk to him again, I was almost demanding two, three hour sets by the end of the time I stopped playing. Um, not because I was technically jaded. I just wanted to get a groove going. You know, I was even bringing a live PA out with my set. Um, it was fun, but the crowd, the crowd's what made me jaded is when I saw the crowd at the local, at, at the local level, when I saw the crowd at the local level, and the DJs that were coming in to me um, should have been kicked off those decks 
or had no business even being on stage. That's why I, that's why I left. I haven't left the scene. I left the local scene and became jaded over the crowd. And the crowd wasn't dancing anyway. The crowd was, um, there was no, I mean, it was, it was. Became a hard, social gathering. It became a social gathering. It didn't become, hey, let's go out and dance. I can outdance any of these kids today. And I smoked three, I used to, I just quit about three weeks ago. And that's why I'm really kind of jerky right now. <laughs> um, but um, I could still outdance any of these kids out there today. Right now. You Sounds know, like a battle. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what will get you back out. You gotta, yeah. I got to show these kids up. Yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, I... You I still come out, though. If, yeah. you, if you only got the, what they call it, the shuffle. Yeah. If you only got the running man, I have bad news for you. You're going to lose. Well, we're, we're lucky <laughs> enough to have uh, people like you, uh, Tony and Billy, to uh, bring, you know, shows like this to, to us where we normally would not get them anymore. Have you recorded a set? Like, oh, gosh. Ever? Um, Hang recently? on before we go into that. While we're Please. on the Oakenfold show, sure. I want to know your perspective, Marcus, and David, yours as patrons and seeing the show from the outside. I think I said this on my Facebook. Uh, if I'm going to go and know I'm going to listen to Trance all night for a solid you know, two-hour, three-hour set, there's very few people I would want to hear play Trance. And it was fabulous. Um, it's the newer trance. I remember the trance back, back in the day was more landscapey, mm-hmm. but this is more, you know, in your face kind of trancey, mm-hmm. but it was fabulous. I mean, you, you can't not enjoy a, a, a seasoned DJ, no matter how new or how old, if they're truly a true DJ and not enjoy it and I had a blast from a dancer's perspective what did you think of the crowd and how they were interacting and feeling with the music oh, the, did they oh they, they they can get enough of it yeah um I know there was were one you guy, happy seeing that oh gosh yeah it was it was a fabulous crowd that night mm-hmm. um I, a lot of people I, came out of the woodwork that I hadn't seen in a long time yeah yeah I mean there's this one DJ that uh, um uh Open for Benny Benassi one night that had the the crowd, the opener had the crowd in the palm of his hands. And uh, <laughs> I was like, I was watching just, you. Dance. just pointed like, at Tony for those listening on the radio <laughs> audience. And, and Tony, Tony is, is a very respectful DJ. And I think he saw what was happening and he, he, he went with it. Was he trying to overdo Benny that night? No. He just saw the crowd and was doing it, and and the crowd was really digging it. He wasn't trying to one up him; it just kind of happened that way. <laughs> Thank and, you. Uh, and 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 I think Benny probably saw that too. And but he did. He did have to come out something very very strong after Tony came mm. was done. But like I said, the Paul Oakenfold show and uh, that Tony show to, to see the actual crowd just really be engulfed in the music that it's been a while. Those are some big accolades. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, I have to confess that I I probably missed the best parts of Oakenfold's actual time slot. I caught a lot of beginning and end. Mm-hmm. My wife actually came out, which she never does, and so I was interacting was with people yes. and her friends, and then I got caught up outside, and then I recorded with Trip to get his first reaction off the decks. So I missed a lot of it, but um, not all of it. And I've already said... Trip blew the roof off that place. Yes, he did. So did Matt. Um, and I I saw the same thing that you saw, Marcus. I saw people dancing and bouncing around, and in that that autonomous zone where they you know they're just they're inside this musical experience and mm-hmm. dancing and not really having a care in the world, which is really what you want. It's that rave experience. Yeah, I think other cities the size of ours need more of this because they, they really don't know what they're missing. I mean, people, people my age or younger, probably most of them will never get to experience that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And 
you know, I have I have people like you to thank for bringing that experience to me because I, you know, like I said, when I came into it, it was like I I heard remnants and saw remnants, but to be able to, even in today's modern festivaly climate, to be able to experience that is is really cool. And that intimate of a room. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, you see these guys on these massive stages, man. You don't. It's not. It's not homey. You know, you get in that room and you're right there. I love that feeling. But thank Sound you. Is thank you. Fabulous. I know you guys are in a hurry. Is there anything else that you guys want to plug or share or talk about before we wrap it up? Um, nah, nah. Well, Marcus, thanks for joining us, man. Uh, yeah, thanks man. for being such a good sport. Yeah, uh, yeah. Doing this completely unplanned and unscripted and randomly. And Random. Let me extend the invitation for you to come over here and uh, mix some passionate DJ studios for as many hours as you want. <laughs> cheers, cheers. Yeah. Thanks for coming and thanks for listening and watching. And this has been the Passionate DJ Podcast. Yeah.